Welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jesse Park Humphreys, Becky Taylor-Gill and Jilly Flatty. Jill, we missed you. How you been? I know, it's been a while. It's been a while. I've got a few more grey hairs since you uh, last see <laughs> but me. But they're curly. They are. I've got that the curly girl, curl going on right now. curly girl. That thing that you're you. doing, yeah, the hair down, I was oh. shook, Jilly, yeah, I was shook. I was disappointed with my hair down because I'd done it for the women's football show and it was very, it was nicer. And then I think the wind just killed me at Wembley. It was <laughs> yeah. just too... I thought it looked great. It happened to the Thanks. best of us. <laughs> yeah, I just was very disappointed with the... I got back into the upstairs in the box bit and I was just like putting it up. Yeah. But, but you, your mum was happy. My mum was happy and that was the main thing. Yeah, I did it for my mum. She wanted you to have it down for your big moment, getting your little picture and your cap celebration. How was it? Was it nice? Yeah, it was lovely. It, it was lovely. And I said, you know what? It's funny, right? Because like, obviously from where like where I've grown up and that, like I took my mum, my sisters all come, um, my sister's boyfriend come, my niece come, and then obviously Lil come. And it was, we went in and it was just so, they had like a box and like there's all this fancy food and there was someone who was like, like a waitress was looking after us. And we're just brought up from a, from a time where we just, we didn't need all that. You know, we were so grateful and appreciative of the service that we had and like, we was like wanting to get a drink and we had to ask the woman and we was just like, no, we can get it from the fridge ourselves. She's like, no, 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 I'm here to look after you. And yeah, it was just a really, really lovely night and everyone was happy. My family was happy. Um, I got a nice framed shirt from it and my legacy cap. Um, but yeah, Why aren't you wearing it? It don't fit me no more. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually think it's like an extra small women. So... No, that's not that's not going on no more. And it's funny because um, we were all waiting for this, and I, when when you didn't get your shout out before, we were fuming. We were fuming. Yeah, on I your was as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's it's. You've so... almost done better out of it. Yeah, I got like the box. Yeah. Yeah. The what food did you have in the box? So we had salmon Ooh. for starter, um, which my mum was like, because I don't really like salmon, so I left mine. My mum and my other sisters were like clearing up. Mm. Um, and then we had chicken, which had like, it was stuffed with some sort of cheese thing, which yeah. was lovely. And, and like a little potato. And then we had a chocolate, um, it was like a chocolate tart. Ooh. It was lovely. <laughs> wow. And then we had little pies come out at half time. Did you have cheese after? No, we didn't. Oh. But we sort of left about just well, I missed Elatoon's goal. We missed oh, Were you trying yeah. to go to Box Park? <laughs> no, no, I, was I just... heard it on good authority that Becky was straight out after Elatoon's goal. Elatoon scored and we like, were like, we're off, off we fucking go. We literally ran. My brother was unimpressed. How, um, <laughs> how late did Box Park stay open in the end? Because it was eleven. Oh, I know. Just... It's it's actually homophobic. Who owns Box Park? Can we email them and get I know. Like, extend those They have a license till one AM. Yes. Why do they do this? I was just about to accidentally say my like secret bar place in Wembley in Box Park because I found a bar that doesn't have a long queue and I almost just said it to all of our listeners but I'm gatekeeping it. Is it the one on the top? Okay, sorry. I'll tell you after, Florence. (laughs) I'm trying to think. Yeah, I I feel like it might be the one on the top. No, it's it's not. It's really Uh, not. Well, okay. So, um... Maybe we'll do like a special um, deleted scenes <laughs> where you, if you pay a bit of money, Becky oh, will yeah. reveal the password. Yeah, you get, we can you, auction it off yeah. for charity. You no, pay, pay <laughs> me five pounds okay. and I'll tell you Great. where okay. the secret bar is and then we'll that all you don't have to queue at. Next year for the next game. Yeah, but you're not allowed to tell anyone else. I was like, I'm not telling anyone. And the bartender was like, yeah, people don't. 
people just come here and then they don't. Where the hell is this Not place? telling you. I have a thought about where it might be, but I don't okay. want to say anything. Yeah, it, keep... I hope it's through like a secret door <laughs> as well. Um, anyway, we've, we've got a lot to catch up on um, on today's show. We've got Jilly back in the house, so we've got to go big, obviously. We're going to talk about the Nations League chaos from Tuesday night because what a ride. We're also going to do some new co-chat because that's happened recently and we haven't really touched on that a whole lot. Also need to talk about 3pm blackout because there's been so much discourse on Twitter this week. Can we actually delve into Euros versus Olympics discourse as well? Oh, if we're, please. If we're doing it. Of course we Great. will be doing this that. Is the, that's the most powerful discourse I've ever started. Can I just say? <laughs> so powerful. I didn't even mean to start it. <laughs> and then, of course, we're going to look ahead to the massive game on Sunday between Arsenal and Chelsea. So let's get into it after this. After this. <laughs> I don't know, it just felt good to join in. So Tuesday night, guys, what a ride, eh? What a ride. I went into it with, I think, like we said on Monday's show, uh, expectations low, didn't really care what happened. But once England started chalking up those goals, my word, I was here for the ride. And I was fully like, we're going to go to the Bloody Olympics. And then I came down again. And I was like, who cares about the Olympics? <laughs> Summer off. But it is funny when like, when you try and not care so much, but as soon as your team starts winning, you think, oh, it'd be good to win this I just game, thought, actually. I, think, I just thought that it was never going to happen. So then when we were in the position where I was like, it's fucking happening, yeah. that's when I got hyped. And that was my mistake. Yeah, <laughs> I celebrated Lucy Bronze's goal harder than I think I've celebrated any goal this season so far. <laughs> really? Wow. But then, you really got into wow. it. Wow. Yeah, because I, was, I was like... I lost my mind. But then Zana, my girlfriend, was like, you also got over that football match quicker than I've seen you get over any football match so far. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like not high stakes, but like, what, I was win, 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 really. Yeah. Like, if you win, it's great. If you lose, whatever. I also think because we had midweek Premier League, a bit like a breakup, you don't have time to linger because you're like yeah, to get over someone, into yeah, you get you under shit, someone exactly. and going oh. straight into Premier League. <laughs> it's like getting over okay. it. Do you know what I mean? Straight into. Yeah. I wish I hadn't got under the Chelsea men's. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, in boys and one. Wow. Um, but I do think that helps because Nations League, we were saying this before we started recording the, today's show, feels like it happened a year ago. But the discourse. I'm over it. We're still in the thick of the discourse. Um, Julie, you were at Sky on Tuesday night because she's booked and busy, okay? She'll have time for <laughs> This is the first time I've seen you in months. I know. And did you miss me? Yeah. Of course well, we miss you I'm just a wanted day. woman. I've just that's got to try and keep everybody happy. That's why I thought when you, were getting your, when you were getting your special cap, I thought it was happening at half time and I was like, wave to me. So you missed me at this yeah. beginning going down. Because I was drinking five pints in Box Park Wembley mm. before. In your secret bar. At your secret <laughs> yeah. bar. VIP bar. Uh, what did you make of Tuesday night's game, Jill? Well, our, our fault, to be honest with you, I did think Scotland were going to defend a little bit better. I mean, we have to say Scotland were terrible. But the first goal, I was just, it, they come to me in Sky Sports and I was just flabbergasted that with the defending. We see that defending in WSL. Like, it was just, I just thought, wow. But then as the goals then were going bang, when Lauren James just thought, listen, I'm, I'm just going to... She was Take like, these I'm lot for a ride, waiting. mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to make this exciting. When she just turned it on, I thought England's going to do it. Like that's I thought when they needed the at the start four, and then I thought, ah, oh, they've got it. 
And then it was the drama late on, though. Like, one of the women who, um, at the school that I work at, she's a TA. She used to actually, um, she's in her 60s now, I think. But she actually started her, she founded her women's football team, like her girls' football team in, like, Essex. So she's, like, a big fan. So she was like, Julie, what happened in the game? I went to bed. I was like, (laughs) you went to bed. You missed the most exciting part, which was the last, like, five minutes or three minutes or so. Yeah. but yeah, it was all happening obviously live as well when they come to me at the end of the game and then Netherlands scored. It was just I just funny. it's just so fucking annoying. Like that last was minute. so predictable. Because I was just, yeah, well, it's your fault actually, because you tweeted like I just that knew it was gonna, it was gonna happen. happen. And I care more about being right and being praised <laughs> on Twitter for being right than I do Don't about England going to the Olympics. <laughs> but I do I do I do think there were I, I felt like after Lucy Bronze scored, I thought that was it. I, d- I didn't think there was enough time then. After I, I didn't think we were going to score. When I but... knew was when Nicky Everard had to go off injured for Belgium. I was like, they've brought a substitute goalie. Like, yeah, uh... that, that didn't feel good when you were dropping that at the group chat. Mm. I thought, uh-oh. I was like, 45 seconds to go. They scored. Oh. <laughs> um, but I like. I also thought Netherlands were going to run out of time anyway because I felt like you know they they didn't hit the ground running in their game like. Um, like England had and Scotland were playing so badly I also then thought okay maybe England will rack up such a big lead and it'll be like 10-0 or something that it won't even matter there were some big chances that England missed in that game that Lauren Hemp one quite early on I think two Lauren Hemp ones really the first one's worse but the one where I think is it LJ or Fran plays her through Mm. and she misses that one as well Mm. but they were there were some big chances so it, it realistically it could have been probably eight or so nil and there were some other chances in the second half that probably they could have done better so it is frustrating but still the biggest part of me thinks in hindsight this is a blessing in disguise for this England team and obviously they were all really gutted at the final whistle and they were kind of like huddling around over a phone to see what the final Netherlands result was. And you can tell that they wanted to go through, especially Lucy Bronze. Like, she was on her knees, like, desperate to get through. I love Serena Wiegman walking onto the pitch so seriously, like, 3 nil, two minutes to go. 3 nil, two minutes to go. She's like, everyone together, everyone in. I was in. like, oh no, it's so cute and so sad. <laughs> and she was, she was absolutely devastated. She said after the game, like, I don't really have words to describe how sad that was. And in many ways, England didn't need to be in this position. They could have got the job done against Belgium. They could have not lost that game away against the Netherlands. So they only really have themselves to blame here. But still, it, it's so frustrating when you have the drama of the Netherlands result, the drama of this result, and you think that is not enough. But yeah, I go back to, in hindsight, I think so many of these players will relish having a summer off next year. And we said it on Monday, but they probably do have a better chance of retaining that Euros title without it. And obviously lots of people think with that discourse that's been going on. Oh, how could you not want to be in Olympic Games? Or are people just saying this because Team GB didn't qualify? So therefore... No, it's because we're Eurocentric. (laughs) (laughs) And therefore people, you know, suddenly don't care. But I think fundamentally, 
the Olympics will never be big for Team GB because of the chaos around even putting together a team. Like it is politically complex and difficult because of the home nations. And I respect a lot of the home nations who say like, we don't want to do it because of what it might like give up for our independence as footballing nations and what we have to give up by doing it. So I completely respect that. I don't think anyone, like any of them should be forced to engage in it. So I just feel like it's never going to have that status for Team GB. Maybe for Norway, for Sweden, who have really strong histories in that competition. Yeah, they love it. And the fact Sweden didn't qualify for the first time is pretty crazy. But it's not going to be like that for us. I don't think, for me, it's not even the Team GB element. Like, it's just, it's not... It's just not a thing. It's just not, it's not... I think it's part of, like, a that there's a football culture, at least in this country... I'm not going to comment on other European countries because I don't know about it, which is which encompasses men's and women's football as one thing. Mm. And the Olympics is not a thing in men's football because it's a youth yeah. tournament. And like you grow up watching the Euros and the World Cup. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't watch like Olympic football until London 2012. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was like cool and fun. And like that was like a really big moment in some ways for women's football in this country. But like as a football culture in England or Britain, the Olympics just yeah. isn't is is a like not part of it. It's nice to win it if you if you're in it, but I'm I, I really I it baffled me that anyone was saying that the Olympics was more important also, than the Euros. But it was classic. It was like it, almost everyone who was replying to me was Brit who was British was like, Yeah, like that's okay. how I feel. Yeah. Some Europeans were like, Oh, like I think some people in you know, in our country care about it more and like someone told me that like Caroline Graham Hansen said she'd always preferred to win an Olympic gold than a than a World Cup and like That's, that's insane, maybe, Caroline. Yeah, I mean <laughs> and that's maybe understandable given like the Scandinavian exactly. history in those competitions. And then everyone from like the rest of the world was like, How dare you say the Euros is like you know, more important than the Olympics. I was like, of course you don't care about the Euros. It would be weird if you cared about the Euros more than the Olympics because your countries aren't in it. Well, I also think it's different. I think I think the point about men's and women's football culture in this country is is important because when you when you view women's football culture as standalone, therefore the Olympics like has a different status because so often the tone and narrative within women's football culture has been set by the United States. And for the United States, because they haven't had a strong regional competition until now, now that they've got this gold cup, which is going to get complicated because in outside of a FIFA window, lots of WSL players are going to disappear. Talk about that on another pod. But anyway, they haven't had this continental regional big tournament, right? So the Olympic Games for the US has a, a positive, strong, big history and they make it the competition that they have also dominated. And so you are guaranteed to qualify for it as a result, which I also think is the crucial thing. Like no European teams because of like the competitiveness within Europe are guaranteed to qualify. I mean, in some ways it would have been kind of incredible if England had qualified because that would have been four consecutive Olympics that Team GB would have been eligible to participate at either as hosts or, you know, obviously in 2015 by virtue of the, the World Cup finish, although they didn't go, which is why it's like politically contested because they couldn't even agree to go. Well, US still have to qualify for CONCACAF, but it's piss easy for them. But that's what I mean. That's yeah. why I mean by like you're basically guaranteed yes, yeah. to be For there. them in Canada, it's a much so, easier prospect. Of course you care more about it because it's like a regular part of your ca- 
calendar. I also think if you look in the history of the United States and their success, like so much of the 99ers era was about also Atlanta in 96 and about like the dominance in Olympic football with that generation of players as much of it as it was in the World Cup. And yes, we had London 2012 as this like moment and a novelty. And for women's football, it was important because they had massive crowds at Wembley. And I wanted to go to an Olympic event. And one of the few things I'd get tickets for was the women's football because everyone was trying to get tickets. So I think it's had its own moment in the history books. But that cultural moment in the history books is very different to what it is for Norway, Sweden, and what it is for the United States and now for Canada. Like, we just don't have that. So I don't think you can make that argument. I would find it really weird if British people were saying, like, the Olympics is iconic and we need to be there over, like, a pro- deep, like, prioritizing something else. I just also think that, like, between the World Cup, I just think maybe, maybe, like, Americans just don't get it. Like, the World Cup and the Euros in men's and women's kind of just are on the same, like, you know, like, standard for me of like how much I enjoy it and I know that like the World Cup is probably more important in I think winning the World Cup is more prestigious but I totally agree from like a fan perspective it's the same to me well also from from the way that the cycle falls it's like two years we got this every two years we got this it just the 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 Olympics almost feels like an annoying middle in between Julie you would have been like playing with 2012 in mind as a potential opportunity so like do you feel differently about it about where the Olympics falls for you if you could have got a chance to be a part of it no Um, (laughs) no I I think like growing up I never saw the Olympics as football I saw the Olympics as like track and field Mm. swimming gymnastics like when I used to watch it on the telly and that I wouldn't ever think oh like even obviously with the men's football I know I see a lot of the youth players going that but I never would be like oh mum put the men's football on no, it's but all I would about sit and watch. the rowing, the rhythmic gymnastics, <laughs> the one with the horses in the water. And Dressage. The, no, no. Like <laughs> the cross-country the, one. Maybe it wasn't horses. The hepta- modern... Modern, modern pentath- pentath- pentathlon. 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 Yeah. That's it's, ridiculous. That's that what one. the Olympics like is about. The shooting, the, shooting yeah. the swimming. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, I agree. And sometimes I think just with the Olympics in women's football is sort of like a, a gap filler. Mm. No, as in to say, like, just give... I just think that's the best thing that with Team GB not going is I think now, especially obviously because of the way that COVID happened and obviously then with the every every year there being something, I think now's a perfect chance for them just to have a rest. Like, then there's no excuse if they don't win the Euros, is there really? Because you've had a summer off. Get your vapes out, girls. We're going Ibiza. Genuinely, though. We're going Mykonos. We're going Ibiza. Also, I would love to up. see you, Jilly, in the modern pentathlon. That's what I think you should aim for now. <laughs> what are the thingies in the pentathlon? It's like shooting and then there's like steeplechase. Fencing. It's so random, yeah, fencing. It's so it's good. One, basically... It's basically like posh private school sports oh, and they've just right like, so basically it was something, <laughs> it would be such an underdog story for you the guy, the guy who invented the modern Olympics Pierre de Coubertin essentially was fascinated like about creating an event Obsessed in which how much you know about this I, off the top I, of your head I did, I did sports management she doesn't even have Wikipedia up everyone half, half the degree is like social history of sport and P, P G C and A level you also cover this a little bit but essentially he's like the, the grandfather of 
the modern Olympic Games. And he thought that this event would test like a human to their best strength. It <laughs> covered all grounds. And therefore, because he essentially invented it, it's become sacred, even though it's really silly now. And lots of people are like, no one does this in real life. Literally, like, we only rich it, people. We? We were, we're really good at it. Because yeah. we're <laughs> posh. Yeah. But like, they were like, only random countries would participate in this. We should, And even now, the agenda for the Olympic Games is so about like having equal representation, having like mixed sports, everything. But because he invented this, the IOC have to kind of keep it in. But it is honestly the most bizarre thing. So you've got you've got the like horse element, you've got fencing. Yeah, there is horse in it. I've just do it. swimming, show jumping. They show do jump. swimming, but they just do it in a pool back and forth. Like that's what, it's that's what all Olympic swimming is. With the time <laughs> off that we have, because now we won't pay any attention to the Olympics. Modern team pentathlon. Shall we do a counter press? Modern pentathlon. Oh my god. Hundred percent. No, but we should be come up with a new version. So it's like you've got to l- run laps on Wembley Way and drink pints in Box Park, and that's like lap one. I'm on its Wikipedia. Despite several attempts to remove it, literally, like guys, we're locked in. It, they with can't. Modern pentathlon. They can't. They, it would take the next IOC president to be like, guys, we're doing a refresh. I will be seated for it. Um, but yeah, really fun bit of Olympic history. There you go, wow. guys. Free history lesson. Love that. There is a very good podcast actually that. I think Radio 4 did a, maybe around the 2012 Olympics, which looked into some of the, like the bizarre history of the Olympic Games. And um, anyway, I'm going to pivot my Twitter to um, modern pentathlon means right. during the Olympics. We could do like the weird axe throwing in Box Park. That could be a bit of it. Oh my God. Yeah. What is like lesbian modern pentathlon? <laughs> I don't think we should. <laughs> <laughs> that might be too risque for the pod. You know what I mean. Get um, your minds out of the gutter. Um, well, like, I don't think there's much point in maybe going like too detailed into the they don't have, of the game. They don't have axe throwing in Box Park Wembley anymore. They don't. They got rid of it. They got rid of it. Wow, breaking news. Live too on the pod. after the football matches. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, with all the axes around. It, it, was, it was always empty anyway, so I'm not surprised. I did it. Me and, me did and my mum and some... Some of our, some of my friends. I don't did even it. think I know where that is, but I do know it after was England. Top. After England won the Euros, everyone spent loads of time playing like pool and the basketball games. Have you done those? No. Are they still there? I don't know. Oh, God, I don't even know. We've spent so much time talking about pool. <laughs> they need to give us free shit. We talk about them so much. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, we don't need to get, go t- too deep into the game itself, but I do want to talk about Scotland actually because. I have been really disappointed with how they've performed this entire Nations League. And I get people like, oh, but Belgium are really good. They made it to the knockout rounds of the the Euros. Well, they only really got there because Italy absolutely bombed that group. And Belgium only got through winning one game in that group. So, like, they're fine, but, like... England made Belgium look good. Like, Belgium are fine. And I think Scotland should have been challenging more with Belgium in that group and to certainly not try and get relegated. Pedro got a new contract in the summer and that shocked me as well because I don't think the results have been good. They are without Caroline Weir, fine. But, like, there are players who are good players in that team and not playing well. Like, Jenna Clark had a stinker and she's been exceptionally good this season for Liverpool. And also, I know for a lot of Scotland fans, there is frustration that younger, fresher players who are performing well at club in Scotland, and obviously we know that SWPL is a different level to WSL, but they're not getting a look in. So, Gilly, I am, like, thinking about the future of that Scotland setup and thinking this should be a real moment for them to, like, take stock and be like, we need to do something different. Yeah, but I I also was thinking is Martha Thomas 
like, is she on limited minutes? It was or... weird she didn't start. Because mm. for me, I just think you've got Kirsty Hansen playing central, who does not play central for Aston Villa. Um, you've got Martha Thomas, who's in the form of her life, who, when I, I think, come on against England, actually worried England. Mm. And then the chance that Scotland, or the two chances that Scotland got late on were from Martha Thomas, because she stretches the line. Mm. Um, so I was a bit confused, really. I would have thought they'd have started Martha and then put either Hansen or Emsley um, on the left. But yeah, I do think it's, it's mad, though, I think, when you see players who go away, who play really well at club level, and then they go away to international level, and then they just... They just don't perform like you think, like Jenna Clark. Mm. Who I think she's been she's been brilliant for Liverpool this year. Um, but then there's just some players who I'm just looking at and I just think like Emma McCandy, for example, who for me, I'd, like I, I really like Emma. I played with her and that, but I just think for me, she's she's not at that level no more. No. And she looked it. And, and yeah, you, and I also think SWPL is better than the Women's Championship. Sorry, I think like, you, I think Wow, that, new discourse just dropped. <laughs> discourse just dropped. But I do think I'm like an older player who's playing the Women's Championship a tear down. Like, I get that she's experienced and she's been a servant for the national team, but I was really surprised she started as well. Like, I just, like, it doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. I think the thing with Scotland, though, more than anything, is almost regardless of who starts it feels like they don't have an identity as a team. And I think the thing is, when you look at Belgium, it feels like they've got a real idea of how they want to play and they want to be like really aggressive like in the midfield and unsettled teams. And that's why I think they, they managed to get results against the Netherlands and England um, in this period. And it just feels like when you watch Scotland that that, that like consistent idea isn't there. And I don't think it even has to matter necessarily about like whether Emma McCandy is playing or not. Like they have enough quality across the pitch mm. that with some proper coaching, you think they should be better than this. And I think if you look at sort of the su- success like Ireland had, have, for example, like that's not a, slight, a better squad of players. Like nor is Belgium. It feels a lot more about like, I mean, maybe Ireland like, are lucky that Katie McCabe sort of bails them out of a lot of situations sometimes. But it just feels like those are like countries where it's like, we're going to play this way and we really believe in what we're doing. And with Scotland, it's just the sense that like ever since the 2019 World Cup, they've totally lost like what what they want. And it's it's crazy because as a programme, they like churn out so many good players. Mm, and then I think Pedro Martinez Loser is also just sort of like riding off the back of quite an experienced CV and they think that it's going to come good eventually because he's, you know, got a good reputation, a good coach. He's been where he's been. But it just feels like maybe if they had got smashed 10-0, that would have maybe woken them up a little bit more because it would have been a deeply embarrassing result. But I still think, isn't this Nations League campaign enough to see that you're far away from a Euros or World Cup qualification because you can't even hold your own in in this Nations League group? Well, and the problem is, is now that they've been relegated, they'll be in Group B for Euro qualifying next year, which means that however well they do in that group, if they are to have a chance of getting a Euros place, they'll have to beat a Group A team in one of the sort of like later qualifying rounds, which maybe you think, okay, they exist in the sort of like, I think we're going to see a bit of a like A slash B teams, right? Who aren't quite good enough to stay in Group A, but are like too good for Group B. But 
they've made it more challenging for themselves because if you come thirding the Group A's, you play one of the Group C teams, who are obviously a lot worse. So if they'd been able to hang on to Group A and give themselves a chance coming third, they'd have a really good shot at the Euros. And now, as a result, you're like, well, it's potentially going to sort of come down to this like one-off game against a team who's probably better than them. Yeah, um, the teams that are going through, France, Spain, Germany, Netherlands, I mean... Europe is so strong right now that to have four teams try and come out of that um, was always going to be like really tight. Can I just say Germany really scammed their place in the <laughs> last four? Well, Sweden nearly had a like shock uh, win over Spain and then completely collapsed and Spain ended up turning that game around. But yeah, like the, the like Europe is so strong right now for women's football. So those four teams, obviously France, regardless, will qualify for the Olympic Games. So it kind of depends where they finish now in that final. Final four. Um, but yeah, Nations League. Enjoyed the first season of it, guys. Oh, I loved it. Interesting. Loved it so much you want to bloody marry it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought like honestly, the the England Netherlands like finish, I thought is exactly it was ex- what yeah, you yeah, want. It was from exciting. It was yeah. this kind of competition. It's like, yeah, like something was rising on it, but in the grand scheme of things, you can see the pros and cons of not mm. getting it. So you, you don't feel too bad it didn't work out, but like it was really exciting. You know what this means though, Becky? What? Arnold, Clark, Arnold, Cup, Cup. February, it's calling our name. Yeah. Could be Do you back. think it'll happen? I think, I think it'll so. happen. I, I think, think it'll happen. I think now no, we're out. out of the Nations hey, League. Hey, a deal was done. There's contracts on the table, so... It's kind of got to happen. Thank got to make it happen. I would rather play in the Arnold Clark Cup than the Olympics. <laughs> than the Olympics. <laughs> now, this is the new discourse. Amen to that. <laughs> Arnold Clark champions, you simply will never sing that USA. Also, like, it could be a kind of iconic, like, you know, the Nations League fallen getting together for a ramshackle oh silly God, tournament in Fed. Who do you want for We've the Arnold Clark Cup? We've got a good pick, though. Like, outside of those four who, teams. Who got knocked out? Sweden. Get them in. Yeah, yeah, definitely Sweden. Sweden. Um, Italy. Yeah, I was oh, going to say Italy. Italy, Italy yeah. are flying right now, so I kind of want to play them. Like yeah. I'm really enjoying their vibes. Sweden, Italy, England. One more, and then we need. We probably need one non-European one. So maybe like, will there be? A, there won't be a Shebelis Cup, will there? So maybe like because of the Gold Cup. So maybe Japan. Throw them in. Oh yeah, Japan yeah. would yeah. be good. Jilly, what are you thinking? Happy with that? Yeah. <laughs> Why would it not go ahead, by the way, when you said you don't know if it's going to go ahead? It's the same window as because the Nations League playoffs. Yeah. So oh. if we'd come third, then it, you would have done it. Top, yeah. We'd have had to play Nations League games. Oh. So actually, I think the it's narrative, for England, the narrative it, really? is that in, it's not that England wanted a summer off. They Sweden just really won't want to be able to come Cup. because they finished third. They've got to do the playoffs. Who won't be able to come? Oh. Sweden. Oh, fuck but Italy Sweden. Can, okay, Italy, great. Damn. Okay, fine. Why don't you get Ireland in there, though, for a bit of banter? <laughs> like a bit of like, didn't they win? Didn't they? Aren't they going to be promoted out of their group? Did yeah, they, but like, I don't they? know what that means. So they have uh, more games. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Katie McCabe has Arnold Clark energy. energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Yeah, right, she does. Okay, well we'll wait and see. Um, but we've also got to talk about some other WSL related stuff. So let's carry on with that next. So, guys, last week or the week before, can't remember, I think it was last week, because it's when we had Thursday off, um, the news broke that finally, after a little bit of back and forth, the NUCO 
Um, it is a work in progress, that name, thank God. The new co has been... Yeah, but is it like Angel City where they were like, this is just like a and fun nickname and then they were like, nah, we're I sticking like with Nuko it. I like as a name. Really? What, like very forward thinking, like... Yeah, <laughs> um, So that has been finalised. So basically that means that from next season, the Football Association will no longer look after and control the WSL and Championship. It's been a long time coming, I think maybe 18 months, two years ago, the news kind of first broke that this working group was getting together to finally sort of detach the two leagues from the Football Association, which I think most of us around this table were pro, am I thinking, right? Yeah? Nods? I, th- I think yeah? I think it's a complicated issue and I can't say yes, pro or con. <laughs> wow. yeah, okay. I'm with Becky. I'm okay, interesting. Well, let's get into it then. So <laughs> I am definitely pro this formalisation because as much as the FA have taken it to a certain point, I think when it comes to having like the best like competitive structured league you can I think having a governing body look after it it gets complicated it gets difficult and I think there are always responsibilities that a governing body will have that will hold it back because it needs to fill them whether it's like budget structurally whatever it may be um, you have to do those things because technically you know outside of looking after elite England men and women the FA is there to serve grassroots football and look after the game and I think it gets really complicated when you've got something like the WSL and the championship which there's so much potential there but it also almost needs to like take the shackles off to sort of set itself free um, but what that looks like is obviously complicated because I do get that like throwing yourself straight into this private league setup which obviously like uh, mirrors the Premier League and a lot of other men's football competitions out there it's it's not always simple and also what's slightly scary is like they have to survive now without the football association dime so that's you know you haven't got your sugar daddy anymore <laughs> like you need mm. to survive and be uh, sustainable and raise money and everything. And that also means that you've got like hedge funds or venture capital companies sniffing around. Um, there's all with, There were rumours that Premier League was going to take a, a slice of it. There were rumours that CVC, a big um, investment firm that invested in um, rugby a lot and a few other sports would, would take a slice. So there's still a lot to be decided, but I'm 90% pro. I think... I I can see all those reasons making sense. I I fear it though. It's I scary. Think, it is scary. I think there's there's just like so many questions around it. And 2024 25 is so soon. I don't know if they needed to jump into it that quickly. Um and it's I don't know. I th- I think like the like everybody being like, "Oh, great this new woman CEO I'm like can we like maybe put aside this like girl boss feminism there's a lot of girl boss energy and that like sort of the pursuit of financing and then financial gain as a result is like the ultimate end goal of women's football which obviously we've seen within the men's game is really detrimental and I think something that particularly concerns me is that in the men's game we've seen sort of the match going fan shafted quite a lot and I worry that some of the conversations around this will again be about TV and pursuing sort of revenues through that direction at a time when, you know, we're very lucky on the men's side in this country that like 
there's a very, very dedicated fan base, even though they get absolutely fucked over all the time in a way that's like a real shame. But like those people sort of will go no matter what. And the reality is we're not at that stage within the women's game. And I worry that those kind of priorities will change things. Yeah. um, I I think for me, I think change is always scary. But I do think like... For me, like now, I think the WSL has to grow in the sense of there's it's time now for more teams to come in. I think it's all well and good having the championship below. You've got so many clubs in the championship who are able to, well, they've got the funding to be, they're most of them are pro anyway, but to be able to step up to that level. And then you've also got teams that, for example, now like Newcastle, um, Burnley are putting in money. There are other teams outside of the championship too who want to put money into the women's game and into their women's team. Um, so I feel like we've, with the FA, obviously the first thing of when they set up the league was there was the fears of obviously happening, what happened to America with their first league happening to the, to the, um, to our league. Um, and it was, it was a fear initially when we first started, but obviously I was at um, Arsenal when the WSL was formed, but then it was obviously just making it sustainable. Um, and that was the main thing over the whole amount of time was that it was sustainable and that we didn't end up like the American League. But I just feel like the FA have held back, held the league back a little bit in regards to that, having that safety net. Um, so I feel like, not, I'm not talking grow the, t- grow the WSL by like 10 teams. Like just chuck a couple more teams in there, <laughs> you know, just to expand it a little bit. That's what I think, from a player's point of view, I think that will be exciting. How them. funny was it that tweet that said that the, the WSL was going to expand by like 20 teams oh my God, next week? And it week. was just like a random, a random account with like 30 followers. I was like, guys, why are we talking about this? It was so bizarre. I was searching and being like, is it like, has that anyone else? that people will just discourse again about like anything. <laughs> discourse for the sake of discoursing um I think what Jesse said about like the fan base being really strong in men's football and I, I I mean I don't think that in men's football those fans have been able to really successfully hold the people at the top like to account um but I think they have a much better system to do that than in women's football and when women's football goes down this new route and has, you know, questionable, like, where does the money come from? Why are we doing this? What is happening? There's, like, a much smaller group of people that can question that and will, you know, force them to to look at what they're doing. And I just think that the thing that I want for women's football is probably not the same as what this new co probably have planned. I think they want to make it, like, very profitable and I, I, I there's obviously like places where what I want from women's football and what they want like intersect but I feel like overall the like profitability of that will override the things that I want which is like a growth and better facilities and, and better opportunities for like smaller teams I'm not sure that it will deliver that as of yet I mean again we don't really have that much information so we'll see and it's going to happen. So, yeah. And I think for me, what's well, the narrative that sometimes annoys me? Because I agree with you. I think um, there probably is a way in which we can try and have both, right? And it's like, how much do you prioritize the profit and investment from whoever and wherever over like having the sustainable foundations of like good structure, 
good pay for players who aren't at big clubs um, and good facilities and everything. But I also think there's an unfair narrative around the women's game. Like the women's game has to be perfect. Like the women's game has to like change the narrative and do things like, you know, extra special and, and perfect because it's like the women's game and it's not the men's game because when we talk about atmosphere and stuff, there's lots of things we want from the men's game. Like we want a bit of rivalry, we want a bit of sort of like, you know, edge and we want the away fans and we want that atmosphere and we don't want people to tell us that you can't sit down, you can't chant and you have to be, you know, just like shut up and you know, be like cheerleaders so I sometimes I get annoyed with the narrative like oh the women's game has to take this opportunity to be like perfect and special because also like the best sport and entertainment often does come when you open yourself up to those opportunities um and you do like commercialize a little bit more but I think I think there is a way that you can do it the right way but I think the problem with the women's game is like we're in a bit of a trial and error phase so people will try things and it'll stick like you know maybe Arsenal on their tickets right now and then they'll try other things that don't work like those Saturday early morning sky kickoffs which really screw with fans and aren't a good time slot for TV so I think that's the problem with the women's game it's like they're having to fit within the boundaries of the men's game they're also trialling things that don't work and it's like there's not enough time really to like see if it'll stick because they also have to survive they have to make money I mean I do think that's there's a good point like within that as well which is like about how the FA was running the game and I think there's a lot to be said or a lot to be critiqued about how we've sort of got to this point like I know it's kind of old news but things like like when Man City got a license like sort of just out of nowhere and and there there are those elements of it which I think have shown that the FA is is sort of in service in some ways to those exact same elements that we feel concerned about now and it kind of feels to that extent like ultimately football governance in this country, whether it's with the Football Association itself or with a private company, is just a bit of a wild west Well, anyway. I, th- I think it's going to get worse because with the FA, at least you had often and not always because we know with Manchester City and the way that women's football in the northeast has been treated, there's a lot of um, anger around that. But with this new structure the Premier League elite and those big women's clubs will control the future of the women's game. So that power is really in the hands of quite a few clubs and they will dictate who gets what now under this new structure. So just like the Premier League is, you know, like the judge, jury and um, executioner, like this is the same now for this new era. And we're putting a lot of trust in these big football clubs to do what is best for the women's game We don't really have a choice though. No, Mm. but like it's going to be interesting because... Often, like, we do criticise the FA, but having that almost, like, bigger picture in mind sometimes with what benefits the future of the game, it, it often does have that, like, bigger picture in mind. But now it's like, OK, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, fingers crossed you're going to do what's right for the rest of us. I think, for me, it's like kind of trying to find a balance between this, like, women's football utopia that I can imagine in my head of, like, this is what the perfect scenario would be and actually what is realistic and what they can deliver. And I don't I don't want it to become like men's football. I don't. But like is that I don't know, is that what success looks like for women's football to become like men's football? I don't think so. But I don't really see another way of it going under like this like new structure. Jilly, what would you do if you were CEO of the NUCO? <laughs> you don't want to know what I would do if I was CEO. Um, no, 
I think I would, I would obviously, um, I think I'd increase WSL uh, number wise, but I'd also think like the national prem, like they need to sort out what's going on the, down the there. The tier was, three and four yeah, situation. Down there, yeah. like, um, Whatever is going on down there. <laughs> <sort out. laughs> but I also think like, I worry, I think when you lose someone like Emma Hayes, from the league that's what my worry is as well because you've got someone like Emma who who was there from the very beginning yeah and there's a few managers left obviously Beardy as well he was there from the very beginning but she would be someone who I don't think people would try to take the mick out of and I think if she felt she wasn't happy about something or a change happening she would stand her ground. And I think that's what worries me a little bit. When you lose a character like that, who has got the WSL in her heart and the English game, um, she wants to to put it in the best place possible. And it comes from a good place. That's what worries me when you lose someone like her. Hey, I'm not here to blow smoke our, up our asses, but the point is as well as like as a media as fans, as former pros, we also need to like hold this new structure to account because I think women's football gets lost in the source. And I've said this a lot recently, but like people get get obsessed with the girl boss mentality. They get obsessed with the positive headlines. They get obsessed with the, the myth of these like really big record figures and news stories. But behind the surface, there's a lot that's, completely dysfunctional about the women's game like it is in the men's game but it's not on a secure financial footing so we also need to make sure that if stuff that doesn't seem right or like doesn't serve probably the the needs of a lot of people you also need to we also need to speak up about that and say like you know that's what's important and do what we can to kind of challenge that speaking of which 3 p.m blackout wow, perfect segue mm. because it ain't happening on my watch, let me tell <laughs> you're you. You're very anti this. I'm very, Can you go into why so you're anti I'm very anti-3pm blackout because much like you said, when you're talking about the fans and you're talking about protecting the entity and the structure of the entire football pyramid, the 3pm blackout is very important. Now, I know the discussion, and this is in reference to the Karen Carney uh, review of football that the government, and who knows what kind of government we'll have by the time whatever comes along. By the time we come but, out of this podcast. Well, yeah. <laughs> anything could happen. But essentially the government said, yeah, we'll back that. We'll explore all the re- recommendations in their report, which isn't exactly a shock. But it opened this whole conversation around the 3pm blackout because there's been a real focus from Cano and Carney's crew and a lot around women's football that women's football needs its own dedicated time slot and maybe the 3pm blackout and getting rid of that is a way to prioritise women's football and put it in that slot. Now, for me... The central point and why I'm against it is it opens a Pandora's box by even doing that. Like you will have other leagues saying, we want a piece of that pie. Nations League will say, oh, well, we also need growth. We need more opportunity. We want to have a piece of that. So I think for the good of the entire football pyramid, men's and women's, you have to leave the 3 p.m. alone. And also I think you'll run into the same issues you do with potentially risking that movement in the men's game, which is you then start to have lots of different games structured around that and you pull from other women's games as well and that fan base and that viewership in order to prioritise this 3 p.m. slot, which would be the main slot it would be Arsenal Chelsea and you might have fans not going to other games because they want to watch Arsenal Chelsea the only thing I would say about that is also actually thinking about the lower leagues of women's football because Mm. something I find hard at the moment is that because the Sunday slots are so have to be so prioritized that it's very hard to go and watch non-league as it were women's football because they kick off at Sunday two o'clock like this weekend for example there's loads of really good FA Cup third round games but if you're going to Arsenal Chelsea at 12 foot on Sunday 
you're not getting them. I like going to watch Worthing. They're my local team, but they're going to play at Sunday, two o'clock. Like, so every weekend I'm, I'm away, I'm working up, I'm at other games. That's the only thing that I think makes me more open to the 3 p.m. blackout stuff, even though like, I do really understand what you're saying, but is feeling like as as a result of that being such a big thing, that's set up really to, to protect the men's game. So what are we doing to support the lower levels of women's football? I think yeah, like what are we sacrificing for women's football to protect? Like men's, And I, I agree with you, Flo, like that does need protecting, but at what cost to... Well, I, I, I think I think the 2 p.m. issue on Sundays has always been complicated, not just because of non-league women's football, but also because of people that play women's football, whether they're kids or adults, because that's when they play games, so they can't get to games as well. So that's always been a clash point. But I think people forget that there's other options in the calendar. For example, Friday night, WSL, I think it's great. And I think we need more of that. And I think there are other spaces. But that's a nightmare for away fans, fans if you're yeah. talking about like fine if you want to go and put like Arsenal Chelsea on a Friday night but when they put United yeah, Arsenal when on it's, a Friday when it's really spread it has to be done with some logic around it and but the problem is like with broadcast it's never going to be done around logic it's going to be done around what's the biggest game in the calendar that weekend and what do we think's the best slot for it yeah uh, always always and I think it's also difficult because when you've got um broadcasters that have packed schedules packed with a lot of football it's like there's only so much room to slot them in and maximize but a lot of those broadcasters are getting very good figures right now on the existing slot so it's not like they're not working like the Saturday morning one they they have tweaked that already because it was a bit of a disaster but those existing slots are doing really well and it's how you can say okay we're fulfilling the criteria for the fans we're getting fans turning up and filling the place and we're getting loads of people watching on TV and we're not losing because I think sometimes those 6.45 ones have been really detrimental to the fans. If it's like Everton at home to Arsenal, those away fans. Like, I hate that 6.45 kickoff. So Even on TV, tricky. I hate that 6.45 kickoff. I'm kind of, it's kind of grown on me actually recently because I like the way it segues from Men's Super Sunday and I'm like getting this huge, really long day. But when it comes to travelling, if you're away fans and it's big travel, yeah, I, I find it difficult. But I do think there's just more room to manoeuvre than people anticipate. And I also think people have always looked at, um, this is a men's game thing, but I've always looked at the 3pm blackout as being like the thing that will change everyone's lives. And even with the new Premier League rights deal, everyone's like, oh, the 3pm blackout's still there. It's like, yes, that's for the good of everyone. It's not just about serving the top tier. And I worry that we think that the same logic will just fix the WSL is like, oh yeah, 3pm blackout, suddenly everyone's watching. It's like, BBC got record for a 12.30 on a Sunday. I get it was a men's international break, but like there is room. Like BBC doesn't show, unless it's FA Cup, men's live football like most of the year. So we can fit in getting some free to air and sky in an already existing calendar. This is just way above my <laughs> all these because I, I just think right, you're never going to find a happy medium. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult job. Like, I think right if I if I'm a, a person who stays at home. Yeah, I like like where unless I'm working on a game, I will be at home watching it. And when you can get Lil to let you put it on the big telly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like the Sunday evening ones because Sunday evening is a little bit of a wind down for me if I'm not working. A nice cup of tea, maybe a little bit of dessert after dinner. Chinese. No, I don't eat Chinese. I'm an ex-athlete. <laughs> Chinese is Saturday nights. Um, but I, like I don't eat Chinese on a Sunday. <laughs> it's so um, cringe. Yeah. But 
But I like that Sunday night. But do you know what I'd like? Chuck in the mix. I'd like to wake up Sunday or Saturday morning. Footballers won't like this. Have my breakfast. And bang. Yeah. 9.30 kick off. 9.30. 9 yeah. You know what? I back it. Celeb excellence days, mate. That's what we used to play at. 9.30. We'd be done by 10. Bosh. Chili, you're telling Rest me. Rest of the day. You're telling me your colleagues who are playing footy right now in the WSL would be happy with a 9.30 Sunday <laughs> no, kick no, off. Chili doesn't care about them. No, no, I don't care. No way they would want that. I'm going to have a nice you cup of tea and my breakfast. It was so good when the World Cup was on. And you would, Men's World Cup and Women's World Cup. You'd wake up, roll over in bed, turn the TV on. Bam, football. Bosh, wow, Sky, if you're listening, 9.30 Sundays. Oh, we done the straw Maybe not Sunday, maybe like Saturday. 11.30 was the wildest one. But that was a Saturday, different. I liked I 11.30 Saturdays. Yeah, but did you go to the games? Because it was felt weird. It felt like you should get like <laughs> brunch served in no, your seat. No, it was bad. It was bad atmosphere at the games and it wasn't good on TV either. I think 11.30 Saturdays had have kind of been retired now. But yeah, I'm with that expanded Premier League, slot as well there's more games across the day on Sky so it's going to be even more complicated to try and fit everything in why can't you put them on the same time as a men's game well, begs the question well this is also something that I think will be really interesting and, and I don't know if we'll see this but obviously like at the moment the deal is like Sky and BBC but there are options for other broadcasters mm-hmm. I think to be able to make more of those time slots like Sky isn't really going to want to put a big women's game on at the same time as like Super Sunday because it wants everyone to be watching sort of Super Sunday. But if, for example, like BT were to re-enter the mix... and it's th- TNT Sports. No sorry, Jesse. sorry. Yeah, get with the programme. But, you know, like they've picked up some of the Champions League mm. shows from DAZN to show on TNT Sports. Thank you. So I think that... And obviously that's going to be one of the first things Newco's going to do is renegotiate a new broadcast deal. But I think... There's maybe that's where maybe yeah, that, the getting both things yeah, done. That is. tender is due to come out like any minute now for that new rights cycle and it will kick in from next season. The issue with me and TNT is I literally get PTSD about those old BT sport games. They were just not the one with that coverage of the WSL. So I like I know it's different now, but I do I do like the, the like the gravitas and the weight that Sky gives to the WSL because the production value, mm. the way it seamlessly flows from the Super Sunday, it it gives that weight to it. And TNT, sometimes it just feels a little bit more budget. They, it seems like they respect the product that they've got yes. and that they really want to But I know the free-to-air well. is still a massive priority for women's football as a whole. So I think there's still probably likely be some BBC element because it's good viewing yeah, figures and, it, and they and want it should be. You yeah. know, I, like, I personally think it's ridiculous that you know, that almost all of, like, elite men's football is paywall. That's, mm. like, crazy. Like, growing up watching Champions League on ITV. Oh, like, I miss it. That, like, informed so much of, like, my love of football. And, yeah. like, especially for the women's game, like, we should definitely, like, fight to protect, like, free to air. I, yeah, I just think it'd be really interesting to see if other broadcasters were able to throw stuff in the mix that may be allowed for diversity of of slots Mm. Um, before we go we've got to talk about Sunday's big game Chelsea in the room Jilly you're kind of Arsenal as well straddle on but maybe she supports Chelsea more Chelsea first (laughs) how are we feeling Chelsea people are we feeling a bit nervy a little bit ooh a little bit (laughs) (laughs) starting to feel a bit wobbly yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah I feel I feel quite nervous Um, just because I think these games like sort of exist in their own space time continuum mm-hmm. uh, so I feel like you've just got to sort of 
And sometimes Sharp that continuum just feels like it's happening. Like you get stuck in it and there's just like Arsenal Chelsea all the time. I love it. You know? I love these That's games. That's my idea of hell. <laughs> I love these games. Time. They're so good. Yeah, I, I said to Jesse today, like I said, I just got a feeling in my gut that Arsenal are just going to do it. Um, but I just feel like it's one of them games where, I mean, like last year I watched a couple of the Arsenal Chelsea games and get so hyped for it and it's just flatline. <laughs> like both teams sort of. That's my problem. I get so hyped every single time. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, I mean, I hope it's a, a good game for the neutral, um, but I can't really, I can't predict this one. I just think. It's been a long time since we had a really good back and forth. And I do think the last time we had a really good back and forth was the 3-2 at the Emirates. So maybe maybe we need to summon that. You're that in OG. the away end. I am in the away end. Are you going to take a flare like like the Liverpool fan at the Chelsea game? Chuck it on the pitch? No. I think you should. <laughs> no. But I maybe I could give a flare to someone to else some, to do just it be like, because they you don't, don't get have banned. a professional relationship with women's <laughs> football like I True. do. True. Do you want me to do it? I don't know. You do it from I, the press box. Yeah, yes, perfect. I would like, I, that perfect. I would like to see. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just hold it in the press box. Yes, yeah. yeah, great. Um, Deal. It's funny because because it was the anniversary of one of my favourite FA Cup finals of all time. I was looking through the pictures and Becky was there as an Arsenal fan and she looked very miserable. So who are you supporting? Yeah, you, cha- you change all the time. Yeah. You change like the wind. I'm fickle. I'm fickle. Um, I think I want Arsenal to win just to like keep the league interesting. Actually, let me look at the table. What's better for Liverpool? I, th- I think Arsenal, probably a Chelsea win's better an, for Liverpool. Uh, yeah, an Arsenal win is the sort of more exciting neutral. Because yeah. it'll be Chelsea and Arsenal on 22 and then City if they were to win as well on 19. Yeah, yeah. also Liverpool are eight points behind Arsenal. So at this point, whatever. Oh, never going to happen. <laughs> Oh no, that's, drama. oh no, sorry, that's goals. <laughs> I'm looking at it wrong. <laughs> they six we're, actually only, we're actually only five points behind. Okay. So mm, maybe Chelsea then. Yeah, you want Chelsea to win, so Chelsea like zoom ahead and then you're like in the bum fight for Champions League. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine Liverpool go to Champions League. That'd be oh. sick. Matt Beard in the bloody Champions League. I've got that red flare. I'm saving it for them. I would love it. Um, yeah, I'm feeling very excited about this, which makes me think it's going to be really boring because I get really overexcited. I th- I'm frustrated the way it's coming after an international break because I think you never quite see teams at their best. So many players will be coming back into training today or Yeah, Sam Kerr's coming back from that injury. <laughs> yeah, where she's become a hairdresser. <laughs> um, so it just, yeah, it doesn't feel the same really and both sets of teams have injury issues in both camps. I do feel like Arsenal's last game for the break, they looked pretty good um, and Chelsea have been consistently looking fairly impressive going forward maybe sometimes a little bit more shaky at the back but like both teams I feel like are in good form or were in good form heading to the break and now it's like okay how quickly can you regain that and we did it me and Ian did a really big sit down with um, Jonas Adevo on Wrighty's house definitely give it a listen but it's really interesting to hear about him because you could tell the Arsenal Chelsea games live rent free in his mind. <laughs> oh my god, the thing that made me stressed was when he was like, Yeah, I've played out the game like three or four times in my head already. I was like, Oh my god, I'd be like an anxious wreck. Do you if think I was he doing sits that. there like with like a clock for 90 minutes and like <laughs> sees it visualizing that happening? Well, he was saying that he's played out loads of times and he sort of has screenshots on his analysis app on his iPad where he can sort of look if they've tried certain things before Mm. and if they worked. So he is obviously been preparing for this game a lot but then he did make the point that but when it comes to coming back from an international break you also don't have a lot of time to try these things and try new things so you kind of have to go try new things against Chelsea as well like that's crazy. 
I don't know. Like well, sometimes I think that's he, wild. I think he was talking more about like specific sort Scenarios. of tactical, yeah. you know, like so in the Conti Cup final, I guess, like putting Leah Volti on mm. Lauren yeah. James. For it's like, how can you, he's like that meme where the woman's like picturing all yeah, the maths. Doing the ma- exactly. Yes. It's like, how can you try and do something different that will take Chelsea by surprise and might be the one thing that like he's turns the game? saying it on Wrighty's house. Well, he like, didn't mention he didn't say what it was. Keep on your hat. He didn't say we're putting Hannah Zinsberg up front. Wow. <laughs> oh my God, that would be amazing. But, like it, it is, that. yeah. It's 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 hard for managers because I feel like, and I feel like that probably speaks to the fixture fixture is as well. Is like Jonas Adavas probably thinking deeply about how he can unpick and challenge Emma Hayes's side, whereas Emma Hayes is probably thinking like we've got quite a good formulaic way that we do things, and she's more nah, like Emma Hayes will have played if he's done it five times in her head. I feel like she'll have done it fifty. <laughs> do you think? I feel like she's more one of those ones who like likes to have the plan and then slightly panics in the moment when the plan doesn't work and doesn't know what to do. No, but she's still ma- she's still making the plan. And I also think what's really interesting about this game is this sort of feeling that like Chelsea have never really played that well at the Emirates. And as much as we've been very good against Arsenal in home games, away from King's Meadow, we've looked quite shaky. And so I think for her, because this is going to be her last, you know chance to That's to beat think. Arsenal at the Emirates and I think it's quite I don't know I I personally feel I don't know whether it's because it's like the anniversary of that FA Cup final this week but that like initial that first free two with Jones Idaho on his knees like that rattled her yeah, so what I was gonna much say into was... the FA Cup final and I like she has not forgotten about that what I really want is them to like those two to really like wind each other up like I want more ridiculous things like the purring the falling to his I'm, knees I'm gonna miss it so much when she's gone yeah that, like, it's, that rivalry it's so has been sad. so good the last few so years so I want them to really ramp it up but that's and like why get ridiculous with it we really need a Chelsea Arsenal FA Cup final to finish the whole year oh, at Wembley how good be, would that, that be that would be perfect yeah, we no, could no, have a Chelsea Arsenal Champions League Oh, wait. oh. <laughs> savage! Julie, you're going to be there, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm On going the to be doing um, the co-commentary for BBC. So I hope that it's a, a good game, an exciting game, lots of goals in that sense, because then it makes it a bit easier to talk about on the telly. <laughs> you're going to be doing a shout out on you for your Insta handle. Yes, I am. I'm going to try and drop it in over the uh, 90 minutes. The at Judy underscore Flurry Instagram In case handle. you're not following. But also, you've got a new business venture, haven't you? Well, no. She never stops. <laughs> never stops. No, oh, it's Jill. just some people was inboxing me on Instagram just saying, like, do you do videos? Like, for... It's not, not that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't think I like, you're, yeah. really, you're being really risque today with some of your comments. It's really taken me by surprise. Wow. It's, it's like, cleat the post, cleat you. Cleat you has changed you. Well, you know, you don't want to know what you unleash with a big cleat you. Um, OnlyFans released, like, some... Christmas merch and there's like a football scarf so I'm getting that for you 100% <laughs> thank you um, no not those sort of videos though <laughs> before Lil tells me off um, <laughs> no it was just that I didn't do you do like messages or not like shout outs or whatever and then I had a little search online because there was like a lot of requests for it and people there is an app called Cameo where how much you charging can, so I'm actually quite cheap it's only like £15 can someone get me one for Christmas please can Wait. we do a can we do a counterpressed uh, secret centre she, she's sat in front of you yeah. right now I want to support her business and it I want a pers- personalised message on. for your one <laughs> Jill 15 quid you're selling yourself short there hun well they, I mean some of them some of the celebrities on there like they charge like two, three hundred pounds Neo I think was like ridiculous <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. I, I don't know if, if um, people have watched the bit in just like that when Che is doing the cameos oh. and Miranda's like in bed, like right, basically ready to kill herself. <laughs> I feel like that's I'll do mine separately from Lil. Right. Yeah. Because I'm going to imagine Lil just like. No, I have done one next to her and she's like. <sighs> Yeah, what do you that's do? You go, embarrassing hey, to go to a different room. Wishing you were happy yeah, birthday. Do they give you a script? Or? Yeah, so some people will write in. I've had a couple of ones which have been like just, they say like they're with their mental health and they just need a little bit of a pick-me-up. So I have like mm-hmm. the reason now on I the screen. Now I bad that we've been laughing about it. <laughs> yeah, that's well, really nice. Yeah, feel bad about me uh, <laughs> making an income. You know, retired life. But no, some of them are like, they're like really nice. Others are just like, can you send me, like wish me happy birthday? But the whole script's on there so right. you can remember what, they requested have really. you had any and I, I want you to be careful like in the Simpsons where they call up the bar and he's like give me an example <laughs> you know what oh, I mean yeah, like yeah, um, yeah, what yeah. is her name um, and I need um, Amanda An- Anita Wee or something <laughs> Anita Anita Wee yeah, or... yeah 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 something like that like be careful no I haven't had Don't like a, a Bendover request yet <laughs> yes exactly yeah no I haven't had that one oh, yet I'll let you know can, can you request that for me for Christmas <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to do the most ridiculous thing that you can noted um, well we'll all be there on Sunday guys won't we so that's a nice I'll way to finish there. the show can't wait probably go pub after bit early for a pub before but don't know. Depends Never. what time we get there. I would have, but I have been invited to a brunch. So oh. special VIP brunch. Yeah, fancy um, brunch. So yeah, mate, Jill, will you come to the pub with us after? Yeah, maybe. Depending on what time. What time does it go? Oh, I can't. I've got women's football show. Uh, have you, have you got to go I can't go on the women's football show steamed, can I? <laughs> yeah. You could. I Why think not? that would be funny. <laughs> you could have a soft drink. She doesn't no, want to I've hang out got, with us without alcohol. I've not got really t- much time. I've got literally like half hour turnover. Oh, really? But yeah. I thought they don't recall that to about 10pm in the evening. No, especially well, when there's a 6.45 kickoff, <sighs> you don't... You don't it's get right. to pre-record. Got a Christmas party next week. Yeah, true. Yeah. So. Canterbury's Christmas party next week. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got some other stuff coming up next week, which all will be revealed. TBC. We are, as well, though, um, set your clocks, because we're going to be talking about the US Women's National Team documentary. And I know so many people on Twitter have been asking about, about that. So fear not. Of course, we will be covering that on Counter Press. Don't you worry. So, yes, back next week. We will see you then.